Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It is yet another Sunday in the middle of lockdown India. Fortunately, we are uh, starting to relax here in Mahali. And so we've been able to go out and enjoy uh, life a little bit, going some grocery shopping. Do you remember going grocery shopping this week? Yeah. Yeah. So we've uh, we've enjoyed that. And then just for our listeners that have just tuned in uh, today, we may have some uh, construction sounds in the background. As a disclaimer, we are using a microphone to try and help with that. Uh, but let's go ahead and just jump right into the passage of scripture we have today, which is found in John chapter 6. It's verse 16 through 21. And it is the, the account of the book of John when Jesus walks on the water. And we have that uh, for us read by Xavier. And even when was now come, his disciples went down onto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. When they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land, whether they went. Brilliant. And so that's, uh, that's our passage of scripture today. And uh, we want to go through this exegetically as much as as much as possible in order to apply it to our hearts and our lives today. And uh, the beauty of this story is once again, we have mention of a specific uh, um, element that is on the earth and that is water. And I just, I was, I was thinking about that this week, the, that Jesus is the living water. We read about that in John chapter four and, um, and he, he wants to provide that for us. So we never thirst again. And then I was thinking of, of, of how Christ is a type of Passover lamb. And I was thinking what led up to the Passover, um, because remember last week, the passage of scripture, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, it's at the time of Passover. And so in the mind of the people is the Passover. And so here's Jesus walking on the water. And yet at the same time, we have in uh, the story of the exodus of the people of God, two stories of the water. We have the, 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 the parting of the water, when the Israelites are backed up, they have a mountain on either side of them and there's the sea in front of them and um, they pray, they trust God. The, Moses walks down on the water, the water is split and they walk across on dry ground and Pharaoh and his soldiers are drowned in that same water that they just walked across on dry ground. And then there's the other story, which is, uh, which is the history of the, the first, the, the plagues, I should say. And the first plague is that of Moses goes to the Nile, he speaks a word over it, and the Nile River turns from water into what? Blood. Yes, blood. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, uh, and so what Moses is doing is, is he's come to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. They are going to worship me in the desert. And Pharaoh's like, no way. I'm not letting your people go. They are my slaves. And he says, please let my people go. Um, they've been in exile long enough. Let them go and worship God, the Lord, their God in the desert. And he says, no. And the people have cried out to the Lord and they have asked him to redeem them, to rescue them, to pull them out of this 
bondage that they're in. And the first plague found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 14 through 25, is the turning of the Nile into blood. And it stays that way for seven days. And um, I'm not going to get into the significance of all of those things. I just want us to think about these attributes of what we've got going on here. And that is the Nile River was a body of water that was worshipped by the Egyptians. It was a god to them. And in the fact that they worshipped this body of water as god, they, um, they, they knew the, the properties that the water held for their, their lives. And in fact, I looked up earlier this week uh, um, on, on Instagram, or not on Instagram, sorry, on healthline.com, there are 16 uses of water for us. And, and they are like this. They, it helps create saliva. It helps regulate your body temperature. Water uh, protects our tissues and spinal cord and joints. Water helps us uh, expel waste. Um, five, it's, uh, maximum phys- it helps maximize our physical performance. It helps us uh, prevent constipation. Uh, It aids us in digestion. It helps us with nutrient absorption. It helps us lose weight. It improves blood oxygen circulation. 11, it helps fight off illness. It helps boost energy. It aids in cognitive function. It helps improve moods. It helps keep our skin vibrant and it prevents overall dehydration and I was thinking through those things and those are all things that we concern our everyday life with and so no wonder people would make water a god in fact um, there's been a couple of times that I've been to the Ganga River here in India and they worship the Ganga uh, with Arti as if it is God and um, and the Egyptians were no different in this day and time and so what it gets me thinking about is it gets me thinking about the fact that our God creator God he created the water And in his creation of the water, he's the supreme being. And when we start worshiping his creation, we are going against the natural order of the way he created us. He created us to worship him, not idols. And so what happens is is when Moses performs the first plague, he's showing dominion over the God of the Nile. And he is revealing to the Israelites and he's revealing to the Egyptians that he is God over all. And Jesus walking on the water does no, it's also very similar form and fashion that the water, the sea that the disciples are rowing across is the very sea that many of them work. That's where they get their fish. That's where they earn their living. This is the sea where they get so many different nutrients. This is the sea that provides livelihood for them. And yet Jesus has complete and total dominion over the sea. And I think this is an important attribute of who Christ is for us to recognize that he is God above all gods and that there is no one else like him. And that constantly reminds me of the story of the fact that we've got to not um, worship false gods, right? That was one of the 10 commandments that the Lord gave Moses on the mount Uh, and it is thou shalt have no other gods before me. And yet so often we create false gods in front of us. And, and, and so I, I just, it's, it's kind of a question, uh, to ask ourselves. And that is what have I elevated in the place of God because it's a necessary or a necessary, 
It's necessary for me to have that thing. Um, like, have I taken food beyond the level of preparing and eating so that that way I have the nutrition in order to live my life for Christ every day and made it my God? Have I created a business out of food, the food industry that has all of a sudden it's brought in money for me. It's brought in uh, um, customers for me. It's developed, helped me develop relationships with people, friendships with people. And so my dependence becomes on the food and not on the one that gave me the ability to create and prepare and use the food. And I'm just using that as an example because obviously there's so many more, but just in general, like what, what are some of the things or what is the thing that you personally in your heart have, uh, created to be God over our master and creator. And I just kind of wanted to bring that out within Jesus walking on the water. He's showing dominion over the natural element here. He's showing dominion over the wind. He's showing dominion over the waves. He's showing dominion over water. And, uh, and so that is one of uh, the very things that we so often we depend on natural elements. And instead of depending on God who is our creator, our, our master, and our king, we, we look at um, other things as our provider. And as a result, we, we nullify our relationship with him. And then we start second-guessing things that he does. We start putting ourselves in a position where we're like, uh, well, I, I know that at night when the sky turns this color, that in the morning there's going to be this kind of weather. And, and we start making predictions in accordance with that. And so when things don't go according to our prediction, we blame God instead of trusting in him and knowing that he is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the one that is providing our every daily need. And, uh, and so that is point number one is, is just, he is, Jesus is the King over the natural elements. He is the king over the natural elements. And uh, did, you, did you guys have anything that you wanted to add to that? Um, there, yeah. So next thing is, and this has been brought out by numerous commentators throughout the years, and that is the similarity. So if we'll turn our Bibles to Psalm chapter 107, or the 107th Psalm, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 31. And, uh, and we're just going to read those this morning because the, uh, this is a story not uh, uh, predicting what Jesus is going to do on the water, but this is a story of sailors um, in the time of this psalmist, and he, and he records it, and he records it in the regard of how important God is to us. Uh, Psalm 107 starts out with, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That's verse 1. And then if we get down to verse 23, three uh, and, and read through 31. Xavier, would you read that for us today? 23 through what? 31. Okay. They that go down to the sea on ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves therefore. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken men and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distress. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves therefore are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired heaven. 
Oh, that men... Haven, sorry. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Yeah, so we have a, 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 an account of, of God calming the sea in the midst of Psalm 107 and the reflection of what we've got here in the scripture of what we just read of Jesus walking on the water, a, a testimony that we have from three different gospels, that's Matthew, that's Mark, and that's John, of Jesus walking on the water. Um, and we see a, a few things here. We see that um, they got, both in Psalm 107 as well as in uh, John chapter 6, uh, some sailors got into a ship or into a vessel. Uh, the sailors uh, got to see the marvelous works of what the Lord's deeds are in the weather and in the depths of the sea. That's in verse 24. Uh, the sea grows rough, 25 uh, through 27. And notice it grows so rough that uh, uh, it's it's like the um, waves reach all the way up into heaven. And, uh, and this causes the sailors... Um, to lose hope and become discouraged. Um, and then they're tossed to and fro like they're drunk men. And, and I think about that. And I think about the fact that, you know, as a, as, as somebody who, I've, I've not been drunk, but I've seen people drunk before. I've seen them staggering and walking um, um, aimlessly to and fro, like wobbling back and forth to their left, to their right, forward, backward. They just kind of wobble around and, and maybe they will eventually collapse in a pool of vomit. And that's exactly the way these sailors are being tossed around on the ship. And I remember being tossed around on a ship as a young man and getting super seasick. And it was like, whoa, man, this is, this is rough stuff right here. Um, verse 28, they cried out to the Lord. Uh, and, and what I find so amazing is in the same sentence of them crying out to the Lord, he delivers them in the same sentence it says verse 28 then they cried to the lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress and and, and that's just that is amazing to me because it really teaches us a principle of how important prayer is in the midst of our storm um and then he hushes the wind and the waves and he makes the storm be still verse 29 and then they praise him verses 31 and 32 and i looked this up in a um a jewish scholar his name's robert alter uh the book that he wrote is called the book of psalms and when you look at verse 27 robert alter pulls out this very important fact and it says this that the biblical word for wisdom also means something close to craft uh, referring to the vessel that they're in in this passage of scripture, the ship that they're in. And the idea here is that all the technical expertise of the sailors is baffled and made futile by the fury of the storm. And I think about what Robert Alter here is saying when it, he's pulling this out of the Psalms and I, and I apply it to John chapter six, the disciples who are being tossed around in the midst of this storm, they're baffled. They were expert fishermen. And yet they are completely baffled by the storm. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. And so what they do is they cry out to the Lord. And it makes me think of today of how we've been in the middle of a COVID-19 storm, if you will, and how we have been tossed to and fro. We turn on the news and we hear experts talk from movie stars who think that they're experts in science all of a sudden to actual scientists to doctors and the experts are baffled as to the COVID-19 
pandemic, and they all have their own little opinion of, of what we should do. And those opinions are as numerous as the stars are in the sky. Um, except, and then the media brings their own expertise to this. Then the governments bring their own expertise to this. And then everybody sits around and they talk around their neighborhoods and they talk on WhatsApp and on it, social media. And everybody becomes an expert of what to do in COVID-19. And the reality is, is the storm is great. We're all baffled by the fury of the storm. But the only one that can bring forth peace, stillness, and calm is Creator God, Jesus. He's the one that brings forth a peace for us in the midst of today's storm. And so if we are completely perplexed by what's going on in this world, let's turn to Jesus. I, I, that's just kind of my... Um, my, my thoughts there, did you guys have anything you wanted to add uh, to that? Okay. Notice that the sailors face, uh, it, now in John chapter 6, we see the disciples have gone off and they are, um, they've left Jesus. He's gone up on the mountain to pray. And uh, as he's gone up on the mountain to pray, they um, start across the, the sea there um, and, and it gets dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. They've, sea becomes rough, the strong wind starts to blow, and when they're about three or four miles out into the middle of the sea, they see this person walking to them on the water. And so there's a few things that I want to notice, notice or bring out here, and that is let's notice that the sailors and the disciples have fa are facing the storm. Just because they are disciples doesn't automatically remove them from the storm. We've had a lot of theological uh, um, people coming out, pastors or, or, or whomever, coming out and saying, well, if God is God, then COVID-19 is not going to affect us. Well, if that was true, then that means the disciples wouldn't have had to face the storm, doesn't it? That would mean that the disciples would never have to face any hardships and no troubles ever. Everything's going to be smooth sailing. We're going to smooth. We're going to, we're going to sail across on water like glass and we're going to catch fish every time we throw our wine in the water. We're, we're never going to want for anything because he's going to supply everything for us 100% of the time. We're never going to go hungry and we're never going to go thirsty. That's kind of the theology of some people today, but that's not a true theology of scriptures of the way God has brought us up. In fact, he allows us to face life's storms just like he allowed the disciples to face these storms. They were tossed around like drunk men also. We can see that in the book of Matthew. We can see that in the book of Mark that they are just, they're like, they're scared to death. This storm is tossing them around. And then notice that they, that man cannot control his environment. Man cannot all of a sudden say, I don't want any more wind to blow across the sea. I don't want these waves to be 10-foot waves anymore. I want this water to be perfect for me. And I want to know exactly where I'm going. But man can't control the environment. And then notice that Jesus did not calm the wind and the waves or the storm in order to walk to the disciples that were three or four miles out in the middle of the sea. Jesus walked 
through the storm. Jesus walked not on, you know, I, 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 I searched out a, um, a, a picture to put on top of our, um, our display that we have on our TV right now of Jesus walking on the water. And there were so many pictures of Jesus walking on smooth glass water with the sun shining in the background. It was night. Like what in the world, some, some artistic liberty is crazy sometimes. But the fact is, is that Jesus was walking on water. He's walking on water that the waves were higher than the bow of the ship. Water was coming into the ship. Jesus is walking on that water. The wind is blowing so ferociously that it's tossing this ship around. And Jesus is walking on that water. And it, it cracks me up because also while I was looking up that picture for our display today, uh, I also noticed that there were a couple of people that wanted to talk about magicians who have walked on water and guess what when the when the falsified magician walks on water they always have these ways that they can walk on uh you know certain things that you can't see that are just below the water so it gives you the illusion that they're walking on water but in every single one of the pictures and every single one of the videos again calm water not rough storms not blowing wind not fear and intrepidation that would cause every single one of us just to be sick to our stomach. In other words, when you and I are facing a storm, Jesus is right there in the midst of the storm. He doesn't calm it for himself. He experiences it just like we experience it. And that's exactly an, an incredible truth for so many of us is instead of us trying to dispel um, the storm and try and pretend like God's blessings are so great that I'll never experience a storm, why don't we recognize that our God is greater than just removing the storm from us? And instead, that he walks through the storm with us. Isn't that, to me, that's better. Because I don't want the hardships to be taken away. I just want somebody to be with me in the middle of my hardships. I want somebody to walk with me. I want somebody to talk with me. I want somebody to help calm my nerves when things are just getting so irritant and frustrating and bad. I want somebody to listen to me. And that's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus has the power and the authority to tell the wind to stop, to tell the sea to calm down and tell the storm that that's enough. But he doesn't until he gets into the ship. It was dark. Jesus is walking on the water and they see the disciples see him and they're frightened. And I mean, you think about this for a split second to see Jesus scared the disciples. That blows my mind sometimes because so often we think, we, we say Jesus is the answer because he is. But yet at the same time, the answer, we for some reason tell our minds that the answer is going to make everything perfect and that every fear will go away. And yet the reality is, is upon seeing Jesus, the disciples got more scared. They were scared of the storm. They were scared of the darkness. They're scared of the wind. And then they see Jesus walking on the water and their fright level went through the roof. They were frightened at seeing Jesus. I mean, that's not something that we normally talk about. But the reality is, is there have been times in my life that God has given me the answer to a predicament that I'm in. And the answer scares me more than the actual situation itself. Now, I don't think I'm alone in that. 
when I get denied something because I, and especially something that I've worked at really, really hard. And then all of a sudden I can't close that deal. That scares me. But the fact that I see God in that deal, not closing that sometimes scares me more. And I make the wrong reaction. I've asked myself numerous times, am I reacting bullheadedly in this situation? I've talked with you guys about this over the past couple of weeks. Am I acting so bullheaded that I am forcing myself in this situation in order to accomplish what I think God is calling me to do in the fear of actually listening to his voice is what's preventing me from actually doing what he's called me to do because I feel I fear when I see him. And 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 it's hard for me to say that, but yet at the same time it's very transparent and real of me to say that because there are those split seconds that God's answer to my my cry scares me more than actually being in my bad situation. And so I, I, I just wanted to bring out these points today. Um, and then and, and I just have a few rhetorical questions. Have I forgotten who the master is? Have I forgotten who is walking with me during this time? Have I forgotten in whom my hope and my trust and my love are solely for? Because sometimes seeing Jesus or hearing the answer of God scares me. Um, Another thing that uh, I, I, I notice in this passage of Scripture is that in the boat, uh, the storm's tossing the disciples to and fro, and uh, they got lost. Jesus shows up. They're scared to death. They're lost. They can't look out on the water and see some kind of marker that shows them, hey, you're almost there. And, uh, and they're lost. We were out on a boat with our cousin a couple or about a year ago in July and the storm there was a storm coming. We were out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico and we were um scalloping and as we were on our way out uh because where the boat ramp was where we put the boat in um at uh in order to get there there are um low waters as well as some reefs coral reefs there's some mag uh, there's some trees there mangrove trees there and so there's a specific path and it's about i think at one point if i remember correctly it's about 10 meters wide um, that you have to drive specifically through that otherwise you're going to hang your boat up and as we went out um, our cousin he showed us the, his gps and he said if the storm gets so bad that we can't see our way back in, all we have to do is look at the GPS because it will drive, we will just follow that line right through here and we won't get hung up because we'll know exactly where we're supposed to go. And, um, and I wasn't even thinking about being scared about anything like that, but he was just kind of describing that to me. The disciples didn't have a GPS. They're lost out in the middle of the sea and uh, this storm comes along and tosses them around. They feel sick to their stomach. And I don't know if you've ever been sick to your stomach before or not. But when you're sick to your stomach, your brain isn't fully functioning, right? And, and you're not really comprehending everything. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I've got to get somewhere too. And so the disciples probably were a little bit scared about that as well. And yet in verse 21, they take Jesus into the boat and immediately the boat is, uh, was at the landing to which they were supposed to be going. 
Um, Jesus is greater than a GPS. Jesus is, helps us get right on track. He helps us stay on target. He helps us move uh, um, swiftly. And, um, and so I just, I, I have a few things here. Uh, when we get flustered or frustrated, and when we feel like we're off course in life, if we are completely in Christ in every moment, if we take him into our lives, if we take him into our boat, if we take him into our vessel, if we allow him, like, like it was said in Psalm 107 by Robert Alter, if we bring him into our craft or our wisdom, and instead of turning to man for wisdom, and instead of turning to false gods for wisdom, if we take him into our life, um, he's going to help us reach our destination. He's going to, in fact, get us to our destination exactly where we're supposed to be going. And uh, that's what I really get out of today's passage of Scripture. And I know I haven't asked a whole lot of questions um, but I just want some input here from, from you guys. What do you, what do you see in this passage of Scripture to help us really bring this Scripture alive um, and, 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 uh, and help us understand what, what Jesus is really doing by walking on the water? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I find it cool how in here, like, it, this shows us how a lot of stuff isn't, like fiction and stuff like that isn't as uh far away than from what it seems to be like um verse well Jesus walking on the water first of all like people would say that's fiction and that's crazy but he literally walked on water which is almost impossible i mean physically impossible for a human to do and then in verses 21 when he got into the ship the ship was immediately on land and not only here, but the Bible talks about multiple other times when people have been just appeared in a different area or they had a vision and they were in that area completely. They walked around that whole area and came back. Hmm. And the fact that like teleportation and or being in a different place like isn't as far away from reality as it seems like in watching movies or reading books and stuff like that. Like, it seems crazy and that no one could be able to do it, but here is proof that it has happened before and that when we're with Christ and if we accept him into our lives, our vessel, our hearts, with him nothing is impossible. Mm. And through that, we can get out onto the water and walk with him through the storm and we can go anywhere he calls us to go because that's how great our God is. Mm. Yeah, he's always with us, no matter no matter the storm or the situation or the problem. Yeah, and even after that, going with the ship as well, is that um, even if we haven't accepted Christ into our lives, he's still somewhere in the distance waiting for us to invite him in and call him to come into the ship yeah. or into our lives. Because we can go from that aspect as this is a representation of Jesus wanting to come to our, into our hearts and be with us. That way we have salvation. And we can be in the middle of our storms or our problems, our depressions and all that other stuff. But Jesus won't be far off. Jesus is always there. It's just for us to be willing to look up and see him and invite him into our vessel.
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, to tie things up this morning, unless you had anything else to bring out, Mallory or Blair, all right, uh, then to just tie things up, um, we've got to stop worshiping idols. Idol is anything that removes our heart from God. Today's example was the Nile. But what is it in your life that you aren't giving God complete and total control of in your life? We've got to remove that, and we've got to trust in him. Secondly, we've got to remove our total dependency from experts, governments, uh, uh, movie stars, whomever. And we've got to place our faith in God. Yes, submitting to rules and submitting to laws as good citizens is absolutely vital, essential part of being a Christian, but we cannot allow someone's expertise to separate us from the supreme, all above all expert who is Jesus. That comes for health, that comes for, uh, that comes for um, uh, scenarios of work, that comes for scenarios within our families, that comes in scenarios of everything. We, we, we can't be so dependent on experts. We have got to start spending more time with God. Third, storms will come. Trouble's going to happen. You're going to be disappointed. It's going to happen. But Jesus has sent us a comforter who is with us in the midst of our journey. That comforter is the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, we're going to get there in a few weeks or maybe months. And, and, and we, we will learn more about who the Holy Spirit is. But he is our comforter. He is the triune God. He is a part of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he comforts us in the midst of these storms. He is the one who's walking with us on the stormy waters, the 10-foot high waves with the wind blowing across our bow. He's with us. And fourth, we may get off course. Life may take some turns and the land, uh, uh, some wrong turns and, and, and maybe landmarks or uh, um, stepping stones will be removed and giving us the sense of um, maybe we've even failed in our uh, journey and that we're lost and that we've made a big, huge mistake and there's no way we could ever correct it. But Jesus, if we take him in, over all else, he's going to get us to our proper destination. Those disappointments of life, those trials, those problems, those pains, those hurts, if we take Jesus in, if we trust in him, if we give him our whole faith, hope, if we return some, just a portion of the love that he so bountifully gives us, we will reach our destination. And I don't know about you, but the destination that I want to reach is eternal glory with my Lord and Savior. Adam and Eve were created to bring him glory. And that's exactly what I want to do. I want to bring God glory. Would you join me in bringing him glory today as well? 
Let us pray. Father God, we praise you and we thank you for how awesome you are. We thank you that uh, you are above all of the elements of this earth. We thank you that you are a complete expert. We thank you that when these storms of life come, these disappointments happen, that you are our comforter. And we thank you, O oh God, that when we feel like we're off course, you're still there taking care of our every need, providing for us in every moment of every day. And we ask, Lord, today that we would receive glory in order to reflect it right back on you and that we would see you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, for who you really are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.